Good evening. As we've looked over the course of the past few days, we've seen we've seen a lot of things pertaining to what God wants of us. We've seen things that we should be wanting for God's kingdom. I thought it would be nice this evening to take a, a, a break from that and look at what is it that God wants, and not so much of us, but for us. What is it that God wants for us? And, of course, if you're not saved, we know the obvious answer to that is God longs for you to be saved. And we're going to offer an invitation here, here shortly, but, but I would like to look a little bit further as to what God wants after that. After you've attained that salvation, after you've taken the steps to, to reach for that, what does God want for your life? What does God want and what is His will for that? Sometimes the, scripture, the Scriptures are quite clear on this. If you want to turn over to 1 Thessalonians, uh, a majority of our, or the focus of our studies this morning is going to come from chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 16 through 18, we read some things that God has in mind for us. He says in verse 16, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Those are pretty clear. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks. We also see in uh, verse, uh, chapter 4, verse 3, he says, For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you should abstain from sexual immorality. Yet another clear-cut uh, instance where God's will is, is uh, described to us. Also in 1 Peter, if we want to glance over there real quick, uh, another place that I jotted down where, where we see God's will yet again, very clearly, very, very certain for what God has in mind here. For this is the will of God, that by doing good you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. Now I hope to talk about several of these uh, over the, the course of the next uh, few months, but tonight I would like to focus on this 1 Thessalonians 5.16. Rejoice always. Rejoice always. I'd like to see what we can learn by what, God, or by what God wants when He says rejoice always for us. The idea of rejoice is to feel or to show great joy or delight. And I think the first thing we need to know in, when we think about God wanting us to rejoice always is that God wants us to rejoice in life. If you want to turn back over to Ecclesiastes, with this, we're going to have a lot of passages from Ecclesiastes tonight. If you might want to mark this, uh, this book. Ecclesiastes in chapter 11. Ecclesiastes 11, verse 9, we read, Rejoice, O young man, in your youth, and let your heart cheer you in the days of your youth. Walk in the ways of your heart and in the sight of your eyes, but know that, all these, that for all these God will bring you into judgment. So the first thing I want to think about in rejoicing in our life is to rejoice in our youth. No, some of you found out today that I'm a little bit younger than maybe you thought. Some of you, maybe I'm a little older than you thought. But we are to rejoice in the youth of our life, but not to do so callously or carelessly because we are warned that we will be brought into judgment. But to go ahead and look at these days of our youth as blessings and rejoice in them. Another place we are told in our life to rejoice is in our work. Turn uh, just a couple of pa uh, chapters back. Ecclesiastes is full of, of, of wonderful insight. Chapter 2, verse 24. Nothing is better for a man than that he should eat and drink, 
that his soul should enjoy good in his labor. This also I saw was from the hand of God. This is mentioned again in chapter 3 and verse 12. I know that nothing is better for them than to rejoice and to do good in their lives, and also that every man should eat and drink and enjoy the good of all his labor. It is the gift of God. Just another idea that we are we should rejoice also in our work, in our ability to work. You know, sometimes when I come home from, from my job, Holly might ask me, How was your day? And I usually respond, my boys actually they know the response whenever I get there. It was long. I'm always so happy to be home. I'm so happy to see my family. It's been a long day, but I am so thankful. And I rejoice for the opportunity that Dad is, or that God has given me. Excuse me. I rejoice for the opportunity that God has given me to, to serve my family in, in a way to bring them support and also to serve our country. It, it, it is a blessing that we can look at and say, I can rejoice in my work. But what else? We can also rejoice in our, in our life, as we were talking about, but also in our, in our spouses. Ecclesiastes 9, starting in verse 7, we read, go eat, and, uh, go eat your bread with joy, and drink your wine with a merry heart, for God has already accepted your works. Let your garment always be white, and let your head lack no oil. Live joyfully with the wife whom you love all the days of your vain life, which He has given you under the sun. All your days are a vanity, for that is your portion in life and in the labor which you perform under the sun. Just another reminder to rejoice. Rejoice in your life. Rejoice in, and he's talking about your wife, but wives, we can also rejoice in our husbands. Rejoice in the spouses that God has blessed you with. And now if we want to flip back over to the New Testament for a little bit and turn to 1 Timothy, we're going to read where we can rejoice in everything that God has given us. 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 17. Command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty, nor to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God, who gives us riches, all things to enjoy. We are to rejoice in everything that God has given us, but we are to rejoice responsibly. Uh, the latter part of this same, uh, these same verses, starting in verse 18. Let them do good that they be rich in the good works, ready to give, willing to share, storing up for themselves a good foundation for the time to come that they may lay hold on eternal life. This sounds very similar to, to what Jesus was saying in Matthew 6, to lay by your treasures not on earth, but in heaven. He's saying rejoice for these things, but don't, don't treasure your youth. Rejoice for your work, but don't treasure your work. Rejoice for your life and your wife and everything that God has given you, but don't treasure it. Treasure things on earth because, as, like I said, if you, if you marked Ecclesiastes, we're going to jump back there real quick. Ecclesiastes 12, verse 1. Remember now your creators in the days of your youth before the difficult days come and the years draw near when you say, I have no pleasure in them. Don't treasure all these things because eventually... It's going to get harder. It's going to get, it's going to get to a point where you're not going to rejoice in these things, but there is something greater, something beyond that, that, that is where our treasure should be and where our true rejoicing will come from. So we should rejoice in life, but we should also rejoice in salvation. Luke 10, verses 20 talks about rejoicing that you know that you are saved. We want to turn over there and read that real quick. Luke chapter 10, verse, starting in verse 20. <clears throat> Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. What other reason? What a great reason to rejoice. I, I'm so glad that Logan picked songs about heaven because I'm speaking about rejoicing tonight and I can't help but think of a better reason to rejoice other than the fact that we can take comfort to know that our names are written in that book of life. 
But also we can rejoice, as Romans 14 and verse 17 says, we can rejoice that we are even a part of the kingdom. <clears throat> For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy, in the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> Yes, verse said, For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. We can gather joy from this that we are a part of this kingdom of God. We can also rejoice because in any talk any sermon about rejoicing wouldn't be complete because it is an example of of uh, the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians five twenty two. Galatians chapter five verse twenty two reads. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. This fruit of the Spirit, this is what we should be attributing. This is something that we should be rejoicing about. It is clear, clearly the will of God that we should rejoice always. But now I want to consider reasons why we need to rejoice. Not just because it's God's will. God's will, that is obvious, the, the main reason. But what are some other reasons why we need to rejoice always? And the first one I can think of is for physical and emotional strength. There, there is actually uh, scientific proof behind the fact that people who are happy, who aren't depressed, who aren't drugged down, there, there is a benefit to that joy that they have in their life. But, but the Bible even backs that up before science even comes into the equation. If we turn over to Proverbs, we can read, we can read this same, this same uh, sentiment being presented. So, uh, Proverbs 12, verse 25 says, Anxiety in the heart of a man causes depression, but a good word makes it glad. Um, we, we see that in, in over in uh, excuse me, chapter 15, in verse 13, we read, A merry heart makes a cheerful countenance, but by sorrow of the heart the spirit is broken. And in verse 15, All the days of the afflicted are evil, but he who has a merry heart has a continual feast. Just another idea that a glad heart, a heart that rejoices, it raises the spirits. We can also read that it, as I said, can be a good medicine. Over in, uh, in chapter 17, verse 22, A merry heart does good like medicine, but a broken spirit dries the bones. A broken spirit, a spirit that is downtrodden, it is just, it's like it's rotting from the inside. But one that is rejoicing and happy and, and, and just full of joy is one that is, like a good, is full of good medicine, one that is, that is growing, one that is vibrant. But we can also, not just besides the physical and the emotional, we can also gain spiritual strength. From rejoicing, in Nehemiah, Nehemiah is one of my, my favorite books of, of the Old Testament, but especially Nehemiah chapter eight. I, I, I truly love this uh, this where, where the Israelites have have come back from captivity and they've rebuilt the wall, and we see something really special happen here in, in Nehemiah eight. But we see something even more interesting than not just them reading the word, but in verse ten, if you want to read with me, Nehemiah eight ten. Then he said to them, Go your way, eat the fat, drink the sweet, and send portions to those for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy to our Lord. Do not sorrow, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. 
The joy of the Lord. Having joy in the Lord gives us strength, gives us great strength. Why did they have this joy? Well, we see that right before this, they were sorrowful for, sorrowful for finding out that there were things in God's law that they hadn't been keeping. They had neglected to keep. And, and Nehemiah was telling them here, this isn't the time to be sorry. This is time to take great joy that God has, has made this evident to us and let's get it done. Let's put, get to work and do what He wants us to do. And we see that they have the strength to do this because of this joy that God has put in their life. Also, we see that when we have joy, uh, when we have joy in what we believe, uh, what He, excuse me, <laughs> when we have joy in what we believe, we abound in hope. Romans 15, chapter uh, verse 13, really uh, points this out to us. <clears throat> Romans 15, verse 13, Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. For us to be able to have that hope, we really do have to have joy. Joy of the Lord. And we'll see over in 2 Corinthians that when we are joyful, it helps others around us to be joyful. That's something that I've found so interesting. When I see someone who is just, just so full of joy, that's so happy... I can't help but feel happy too. It really lifts me up. And it's, it's kind of like that idea you think of in a pond. When, when you throw a rock in a pond and you watch the ripples as they spread and shred, as that joy drops into a situation, you see everyone around them affected by those ripples. 2 Corinthians 2, chapter, uh, verse 3, And I wrote this very thing to you, lest when I came, I should have sorrow over those from whom I ought to have joy, having confidence in, all, in, in you all that my joy is the joy of you all. He was trying to, uh, uh, Paul here was trying to tell these, the, the Corinthians here that he had joy and that their joy could be fed off of that. Our Creator understands the importance. He understands the importance of joyful spirit for, for both the body and for the soul. And since He wants you to rejoice always, here are a few thoughts on how you can rejoice always. And firstly, we can see that we can rejoice in the Lord. It is in the Lord that we find the ability to rejoice always, as Philippians 4 uh, tells us. Philippians 4, chapter, or verse 4 Keep doing that. Philippians chapter 4, verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I will say rejoice. If we will do this, if we will rejoice in the Lord, that's where we get this ability to do it. And uh, we also see that salvation is the source of much joy. If you want to flip back to uh, Psalms really quick, I, I appreciate you all so much in being patient and, and flipping through these with me. It's, it's, so, it's such a benefit for us to open God's Word and see this. Psalms 21, verse 1. The king shall have joy in your, uh, in your strength, O Lord, and in your sal uh, salvation. How greatly shall he rejoice. His salvation is the source of much of our joy. We also see that his mercy is the source of great joy. If we want to turn over just a couple passages uh, to chapter 31. Chapter 31 and verse 7. I will be glad and rejoice in your mercy, for you have considered my trouble and you have known my soul. In adversity. Now I've got this passage underlined because I think this is such a beautiful passage. I will be glad and rejoice in your mercy for you have considered my trouble. God has considered us. He knows our soul and the adversities that we're in. He considered us and He had mercy. That's such a powerful passage and we should have joy and we can rejoice over that fact. We also see that He grants joy to those who please Him. If we want to look back over in Ecclesiastes, where we were just at a minute ago, in chapter 2, 
And look at verse 26. For God gives wisdom and knowledge and joy to a man who is good in his sight. But to the sinner, He gives the work of gathering and collecting that He may give to him who is good before God. This is also vanity and grasping for the wind. Just another idea that if we, if we are pleasing God, if we are doing God's will, then he, we, we will be given reasons to rejoice. In fact, He says that people who aren't doing His will will be given tasks to give us even more. To give us uh, uh, more reasons to rejoice. <clears throat> and also we see in, in Psalms chapter 16 that in His presence, when we are in His presence, there is fullness of joy. Psalm 16 verse 11. You will show me the path of life, and in your presence is fullness of joy. Now, now I want to stop right there and say that this verse, this verse is connected to the New Testament. If we could turn over to John 14:21, we're going to see exactly what he means there when he says, "In your presence is fullness of joy." John 14, chapter 21, or verse 21. He who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. So how do we, how do we get into his presence so we can receive this fullness of joy? Well, it says over in John 21 that we have to love him and to keep his commandments. And when we do that, he will manifest himself. We will be in his presence. But some important suggestions to remember is for us to, to be able to do this, for us to be able to be in His presence, for us to be able to rejoice always. There are some other things we should be doing ourselves. One of those things is obviously we should be reading God's Word daily and we should be feeding upon it. Jeremiah 15, <clears throat> Jeremiah 15 and verse uh, 16 reads, Your words were found and I ate them. And your word was, was to me the joy and rejoicing of my heart, for I am called by your name. The word of God was such a, re, a cause of joy for Jeremiah. The word of God should be a cause of joy for us as well. And we should not only be reading it, but we should be meditating upon it. I read just this last week, I read in a, in a, a study guide actually on how to study the Bible, that Christianity is a thinking man's religion. I thought about that for a minute and was like, well, I don't... I don't know about that, but really the more I thought about it, I realized, yeah, yeah, I guess it kind of is. When we, when we are commanded to meditate on God's Word, we should be thinking on, on God's Word. It should, be a, it should be something that spurs us to thought. John 15, <clears throat> chapter 11. I apologize, I cannot get that straight in my mind this evening. John 15, verse 11. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full. Our joy may be full through these things that Jesus spoke. But we also see that we should, not just in Jesus' words, but also in what the apostles wrote. If we want to flip over to 1 John and look at uh, chapter 1, verse 4. And these things we write to you, that your joy may be full. So again, we, if we are reading these words and meditating upon these things, these things were written so that we might have joy. And certainly we also can get joy through singing praises. We did this last night. We've done it twice today. And it's been such encouragement. Singing to, uh, sing to God certainly is helpful for us to be cheerful. James 5, chapter, uh, or verse 13. 
James 5.13 says, Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing psalms. The singing of these songs is something that we do that not only when we are cheerful, but it cheers us up. It lifts us up. And you can't help but notice that. When we, when we sing songs such as maybe sing and be happy, that's a song that really kind of builds me up and it makes me happy. But we, we see an example of this also in, in Psalms chapter 71. Psalm 71 and in verse 23. My lips shall greatly rejoice when I sing to you and my soul which you have redeemed. I just thought that was so interesting that, that even in, in what, what's being said here is my, my body parts, my lips, not just my soul, but my whole being. My lips shall greatly rejoice when I sing to you and my soul which you have redeemed. Just another example of how singing and reading and meditating, but also what we've done, again, what we did last night before we sang what we've done today, spending time with brethren who make us happy. This is another way that we can help ourselves to rejoice. Paul talks about how Titus was such an encouragement to him over in, in 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 7, in verse 13, he says, Therefore we have been comforted in your comfort, and we rejoiced exceedingly more for the joy of Titus, because his spirit has been refreshed by you all. We were saying that Titus's joy, again, like that ripple effect, Titus's joy and their company with him gave them comfort and helped them to rejoice. This same idea is repeated again in Philemon. Philemon chapter, or the first part of Philemon in verse 7. Philemon 7, For we have great joy and consolation in our love because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed by you, brother. We see the saints there that he was talking about. They were refreshed by the, by, just by being around Philemon, by the joy, by the love, by what he brought to them. Everyone else was able to gain joy from that. And we also get this when we lead others to Christ. When we lead others to Christ, they will be a great source of joy for us. And I think especially of, of 3 John. 3 John chapter 1 and verse 4. <clears throat> I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. When John was writing this, he was talking about all those, all those that, that, had been, that had been converted, that he knew of. Those converts made him joyful. So it's just something else that we can take from that. Something else that leads us to have joy is to think about all those that we know who have come to Christ. So, so just in starting off, what is the will of God for you? We, we saw several things, but one especially is to rejoice always. Rejoice always and rejoice in the Lord always. Rejoice in the blessings that He has given you. Rejoice in both the physical and rejoice also for the spiritual blessings. Now I want to remind you, this does not mean that our life, if we do these things, that we will never suffer hardships. But if, if it is in the service of God, we know there can be great joy. Matthew 5, we, the, uh, the younger children, they, they have been talking about this in, in, in Bible study with, with Logan. The Beatitudes, and the very last part of the Beatitudes, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they revile and they persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted also the prophets who were before you. We see that there is just an inexpressible joy, even in the hardships and the trials that, that we face. 
in this life. First Peter chapter one, he he basically said the same thing. And verses six through nine, in this great in this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it be tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen you love, or having whom not having whom having not seen you love, though now you do not see him, yet believing you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, the salvations of your soul. So even if the hardships we experience are due to, to some sort of uncir- uh, unfortunate circumstance of life, we know that we can rejoice. We can rejoice greatly in the fact that we serve God. And who better for us to serve I want to leave you with one final passage. And apparently I can't turn and talk quite as well as I thought I could. Romans 5, verses 3-5. through 5. Romans 5, 3-5. through 5. And not only that, but we, also know, glory, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance. And perseverance character, and character hope. Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who has given unto us. Even in our hardest times, even when we are facing the toughest things, we can always rejoice. And we see that through these perseverances, as Logan even talked about this morning with Abraham and Isaac, the tribulations that we face, they build our faith. They help us to grow. And we can take great rejoicing. But before we even go so far as to rejoice for all these things, and before we can even begin to fully understand God's will for us in this aspect, we have to understand that before all this, He wants us to be saved. And, and here in a moment, <clears throat> excuse me, just in a second, we're going to sing number 319. If you want to go ahead and get your songbooks out, number 319. And it is only a step. We understand that it is only a step before for us to come forward and begin that journey. We've sang several times step by step and we talk about how that journey through life, that journey in a Christian's life starts with the first step. But all you have to do is make that first step. And maybe you already have. I imagine everyone here probably has made that first step. But maybe somewhere in your life something has happened and you've realized that you've, you've kind of stepped back. Instead of constantly moving forward to that, towards that, that great reward, you maybe are, are sitting on the sidelines or maybe you've become a little stagnant. It's still only a step. Only a step forward. And Jesus is here to be with you. And the members here at this congregation, we're here to help you. But we have to know. We have to be able to know to help you. You have to let us know. So, so what I ask this evening, the invitation is yours this evening. If there is something that we can do, if you would like to come to Christ, or if you would like to just ask for the prayers, ask for the prayers of us here, ask for our encouragement, whatever it may be, I ask that you please consider that now as we stand and sing. Hear the sweet voice of Jesus say, Come unto me.